That's one of the biggest pieces of advice I got from them. Work hard, show up, outwork people, and just be, just do good things. Be honest, be upfront, admit when you're wrong, admit when you don't know something, and uh, be a sponge, put a smile on your face, be excited. Hi, and welcome to ILoveEdmontonRealEstate.com. I'm your host, Jason Scott, and with me today is Travis Howerlick of Remax Real Estate. Welcome to the show, Travis. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for having me. Okay, so Travis, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you uh, end up becoming a real estate agent? Everyone grows up wanting to be in real estate, don't they? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so coming out of high school, my family has been in business for many years, you know, previous to me joining the business. And I got out of high school and I, I knew I always wanted to be in business for myself or, or be self-employed and real estate ended up being that vehicle for me. So I, uh, I sat down with my dad, who is the broker of Remax in Spruce Grove, and I said, Dad, I want to come and work with you. So as every parent does, you know, they said, <laughs> they gave you that look saying, you know, don't do it, don't do it, don't follow my path, go do and chase your own dreams, etc. And uh, we had a good conversation about it, and I said, "Let's let's do this." So, at 19 years old, I dove right in with two feet, got my license, and here we are today, almost 10 years later. Wow. So, so, what's it like to work uh, with family? It's an amazing thing most days. You know, <laughs> the biggest challenge is, of course, separating family from business, right? Because I still see my parents, you know, for Sunday nights dinners or you know birthdays and Christmases, etc. Obviously. And, you know, it's it's tough to not have shop talk sometimes, but we have to be accountable towards one another and stop each other in the tracks. You know, instead of having a real estate conversation, we got to remember we're also family and, and whatnot. So it's a great thing because in this case, I had fantastic mentorship, right? Somebody who was willing to take my hand and guide me through every step of the way, especially being young in the business. So I'm very, very grateful for that, being able to work with family. So... What sort of challenges did you have starting out so young when, you know, you're dealing with, you know, just about every client is going to be older than you uh, yeah. when you're 19, right? So The list could go on and on. It really, really could. And uh, especially because of the market as well. I started back in 2008 in the summer and, you know, after a, a big, big market in 06, 07 for Edmonton area, 2008 was a challenging year. And in the summer when I started, the market plateaued and then dropped absolutely dropped and you know having working alongside my uncle and my dad in the business they told me as well you know son this is this is a tough market and the challenge of being 19 years old and what do I even know right. you know about real estate so the challenge there is go to work become a sponge about the business and soak up every piece of information you can study the market every single day and slowly that builds up confidence slowly it builds up experience you know, eventually that will pay off and you'll be able to serve clients the best way you can. Right. Okay. Now you focus on Spruce Grove, the West End of Edmonton and some downtown work. Is that right? Uh, that's correct. Yeah. Our okay. office, our office is based out of Spruce Grove. I'm born and raised there. So that's definitely my, my main point of focus for sure. Okay. What are you seeing in the uh, market these days, given that, you know, we're it's late November, start of mm -hmm. December, not exactly prime uh, real estate selling time. And of course, we've not had the uh, the best economy the last year or two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Spruce Grove and, and Stony Plain, Parkland uh, County, we continue to grow. We continue to expand. We bring new amenities to the area, et cetera, et cetera. We have people coming from you know, sometimes Edmonton or other surrounding communities because they want to live in Spruce Grove. We're at about 37,000 people right now. So we are continuing to grow in most aspects. 
The housing market has become a little bit more soft. It's, it's definitely a buyer's market. However, people are still building homes, but of course there's less spec homes on the market right now. So things are moving along, stable, I would say for sure. Okay. When you look at price point and mm-hmm. uh, you know what you get for that price, what are you seeing? What's the most common sort of segment of the market? Yeah, I think, you know, our, our average sale price, for example, in November, you're probably looking around the 350. Out of all the sales that happened in November, you're right around that price point. You know, your money does go a good distance in Spruce Grove. You get some good value for your dollar mm-hmm. and there's a lot of options. And I think that's why people love buying real estate in Spruce Grove and areas because you are you do have options. Right. So, you know, what you can typically get for uh, you know, around our average sale price of 350, you can get either, you know, a brand new semi-attached home, you know, in a nice area up and coming close to schools, or you can find something in a more mature neighborhood, detached single family home with a detached garage and, you know, might have to do some rentals to it, but overall you have a great buy. Right. Okay. So basically it's a good option for value for younger families. For sure. And that's our age demographic is young families. And uh, the community really appeals to to young families because of the schools, because of the parks, and just the overall community vibe that's out there for sure. Right. Okay. Now you do a, a ton of listings, so that means you're representing sellers. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. And at any uh, point in time, you've got you know twenty to thirty listings on the go. Yes. What sort of challenges are you running into, or your your sellers are running into right now? Being in a buyer's market, there's a big challenge because sometimes, you know, with all the effort that we do into selling our clients' homes and all the marketing strategies that we do, sometimes right now they're not paying off. You know, showings are few and far between. And, you know, if we do get an offer, we really got to focus on it and negotiate it hard to see if we can get a successful sale. So, you know, selling your home in this kind of market right now, especially heading into December here, you know, you got to remain calm. You got to hire the trusted professional and trust that they're going to, you know, do the best job that they can. And that all starts with setting expectations at the beginning, right? And making a game plan, uh, remembering the reason why you called your realtor in the first place and trusting that they'll do their best job and advise you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Okay. What are some of the mistakes that sellers make? What I'm finding in this market is number one, overpricing your home. What I'm finding is that people really need to have a a proper market evaluation done, have a look at comparable sales, expired listings are a big deal to look at, you know, what's your competition, Uh, what are the trends in in the subdivision that you're in, and of course the time of year. Sometimes it may seem like you're asking for a price that you're not happy with or that you're way below the competitors, but that's just that they're competitors. They're, they're still active on the market. You got to be priced the best. You got to be staged the best. You got to be marketed the best to have a shot at selling in this kind of market. Being overpriced, that's a big mistake that mm-hmm. sellers are making. Number two is over improving your home. I find that a lot of people are asking me great, great questions of what they can do to improve the saleability behind their home. And I love discussing those options. But you also got to look at what your return on investment is going to be and timing, because sometimes, you know, this renovation that you think might be improving your home will take two or three months. Well, two or three months, the market could be different and put you in a different kind of marketplace altogether. So really have a sit down with your realtor to discuss what's the best course of action to do for over improving your home. So those are just a few. Okay. So give me an example of a good renovation and a bad renovation that Mm. would impact a sale. The best renovation, if you could call a renovation, is simply painting your home. It freshens it up. It makes your home 
appear a lot more better condition because mm-hmm. every little scuff, every little dent, every little blemish on there shows up. And the buyer, when they view your home, makes that into a mountain when it's just a molehill. Painting your home is the number one investment out there. Staging, decluttering, depersonalizing, shampooing your carpets. And if you want to look at bigger scale renovations, kitchens and bathrooms sell homes, in my opinion. Right. But I mean, kitchens and bathrooms, those are huge uh, investments potentially. Exactly. You're not likely to get dollar for dollar return on that. Whereas painting, it's, well, it's a couple of grand to paint a house. Exactly. Okay. So Travis, what are some of the questions that you get from people who are looking to sell their house? Some of the questions that I get is how to improve their home, how to get more value, and what's the most important time of year. So some examples of renovations they ask about is maybe developing their basement, redoing countertops, or the kitchen or the bathrooms, et cetera, et cetera. And more times than not, it's the, my simple answer is no. Let's price it as is. Let's clean it up. Let's declutter. Let's, let's stage it and put it on the home for as is. Mm-hmm. Unless you can do one of those renovations in a timely fashion and maybe yourself because you're in the trade, then where you'll have measurable return on it. Most times than not, it's to hold steady, show it well and, and price it well. How effective is staging? Very effective. Nowadays, I, I believe that when I'm showing buyers homes, they make their... Their first impression is made as soon as we drive up. Right. We've gone to showing appointments where we've made it to the driveway and we've turned around, hopped in the vehicle and gone to the next home. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, but it's all about curb appeal and your first impression. So when we open that front door, if the home does not give us a good vibe, people get very discouraged and that's their first impression. It's, it's hard to change that. Yeah. So whether it's a certain scent in the home, whether there's a bunch of items laying all over the floor because that shows pride of ownership or no pride of ownership. Yeah. So it's super important, especially when you're up against maybe 20 other homes that are comparable to you. How are you going to stand out? You got to give the best first impression to the buyer and that starts with staging. Right. Okay. The smell one is an interesting... Uh, yeah. Uh, because, you know, it, it actually is a very emotional kind of thing, right? For sure. So, <laughs> got any good examples there? As part of my quick hit videos that I send to my seller clients, I do talk about scents and how to prepare for showings. And my best advice is turn on your circulator fan in your home or open your windows in the summer just to get a fresh breeze through there. Because people are very sensitive, whether they have allergies, whether they don't like a certain kind of food that you just cooked an hour before the showing, uh, they're very sensitive to it. So we, we do have to be conscious of that because the scent is one of the first things you pick up on when you walk into the home so yeah one of, one of the tips i heard once was to actually bake cookies chocolate chip <laughs> cookies before someone comes and, and does a viewing of the house pleasant smells are always nice to have in there but i i my vote is to have it more neutral right right and uh i think having it neutral allows them to make up their own decision of how well the house smells yeah so long story short, clean your home, air it out, get some fresh air in there. Right? It's funny, it's basic stuff, but it yeah. makes a huge difference, right? Yeah. So how long are homes in uh, Spruce Grove sitting on the market right now? Well, average days on market right now is around, you know, 55, 60 mm-hmm. days on market. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, that's a skewed stat. Okay, how so? reason why I say that is because, of course, when you list a home for sale, we have a duration, a start date and an end date. Once it ends, of course, we could relist the property two days later and right. our days on market count starts over. Right. So we really have to dive in if we look into that stat. 
in saying that, if you can sell your home in 30 to 60 days in Spruce Grove right now, I think you're ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, anything kind of over 90 days on market, unfortunately, gets lost in the pile. I always compare, you know, listings and the auto listings out there to a Kijiji ad. What do people do on Kijiji? They will cancel their ad and then they'll repost it to bump it up to the top of the list. Mm-hmm. That's a simple strategy that goes a long ways, especially when there's a lot of competition on the market. Right. So when there's competition like this and the, you know, the days are starting to stretch into weeks and maybe a month or two, mm-hmm. how do you manage your seller's expectations then? Mm-hmm. That's just it, is, is setting the expectations up front. Okay. So when you're deciding to hire a realtor, that's one of the things that has to be discussed. And that's one thing that I, I definitely touch on when I'm sitting down with my seller clients right now is setting that expectation of what's our game plan after 30 days on market, 60 days on market, maybe 90 days, because it could happen no matter what I'm doing out there to market your home and sell your home. Mm-hmm. you got to have that talk up front. So whether it's a, a look at pricing strategy, whether it's a look at revising the marketing, maybe it's not reaching the right audience that's going to end up buying the home. There's several factors that we got to discuss to make a game plan moving forward. And it goes back to how well the property is being marketed. Mm-hmm. A lot of marketing strategies nowadays are trackable and measurable. Before, you would send out an ad to the newspaper and hope somebody called you, but that you can't track how many eyes were on your property. Right. So when hiring the realtor, look at what their marketing strategy is and how they can track the audience. And then that way, if you're 60 days in market, 90 days in market, and you don't have a sold sign in front of your yard, then you can look back and say, okay, here's how many people looked at our property on this website per se. This is how many people clicked. This is how many people I engaged with or had chit chats with. If we still don't have an offer after all of those results, then obviously our pricing strategy might need revisiting. Mm -hmm. So that's the biggest thing is just having a game plan from the start and going from there. So what sort of marketing avenues are you using? these days a lot of our a lot of our marketing has adapted to even more online and you know it's simple to say or easy to say you know well i do online social marketing and you know it's going to be on this website and this website in this day and age i don't think that's good enough you need to be able to engage your audience you need to be able to track your audience and retarget them in the future for future seller clients and for overall market knowledge Mm -hmm. It's a very powerful tool. It's kind of scary of what you can do online. Mm-hmm. So now it is no longer good enough to have a good post on social media. What are you doing with that post? And what are you going to do with that post 30 days from now when you host that open house or when you have a price adjustment? It's a complex world, but it's fun. It's, it's exciting. I find it a challenge every day to you know, discover how I can improve my marketing strategies online and better serve the client. So a lot of it is online because mm-hmm. it is trackable and measurable. I love it. And that's where you as a realtor, if you're engaging in using, you know, web-based marketing, you can actually be way ahead of your older competition who still believes in the newspaper or the flyer drop or those sorts of older uh, media. For sure. And it's, and this applies to all industries. You know, I, people are, are starting to realize now that, you know, once they click on, you know, a TV on Best Buy or Future Shop or whatever store, they're going to see that same ad on Kijiji or the next three websites that they visit right. because that ad's following you. Yeah, It's happening all over the place right now in a strategic marketing and branding mm-hmm. because we live in a consumer-based world Mm -hmm. and it's very powerful what you can do online with marketing and advertising if done correctly. So do you still do open houses? We do. We host realtor open houses 
that's a great chance for us to show off our new listings in the local marketplace. Our goal is to have local realtors stop by and see the see the new inventory. That way, if a week from now they have a client that my listing might match them up with, well, then they've seen it, right? They're better to serve their client. Public open houses, we do host. We are always trying to innovate our ways of having more productive open house, making them fun, making them interactive. And it's a good way for the communities to see the, the homes in their neighborhoods for sure. An open house to the public is still an effective tool then? If marketed correctly and hosted correctly, yes. It's not good enough to just simply put signs out anymore and hope that those are going to drive traffic. Our campaigns for our public open houses usually start about a week, a week and a half in advance to ensure that we hopefully have good attendance for our seller clients. Right. Okay. So going back to sort of your history in real estate here, at what point did you go, you know what, this actually is the the career for me? Was Mm -hmm. there one thing that triggered that? I think... As I kind of mentioned in 2008, it was, it was a pretty rough start. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat that. Yeah. So before I started seeing some measurable results, it was quite a long time. And the biggest thing with business is staying in business. Yeah. And most small, small businesses need to make it to five years to see any for foreseeable profitable uh, future. I think that turning point for me was probably, you know, the fall of 2009 when things started clicking and hard work started paying off and my knowledge you know, the Spruce Grove area started paying off and I loved it. And the biggest thing is that, you know, we're realtors with real estate license, but we're in business. You got to look at it as a business. And, you know, there's always ways that you can continue to grow, to market your, your sellers, homes for sale, improve your services to buyers. And that's what I love about it. It's improving business wise. Mm-hmm. It took a while to really hit me that I really enjoy this business and every day was a new challenge and every day was different. So that's what I really enjoy about it. What are some of the more frustrating encounters you've had or situations and, and what did you learn from those? There's daily frustrations. It's all how you manage them. And one of the biggest pieces of advice I ever got in real estate was it's a great business, but don't let it get to you. Right. So at the end of the day, you still got to take a deep breath and take the positives out of the day. So some frustrations that you know we experience is not being able to serve the client. So whether that's on the selling side or on the home buying side, you know, if you are doing everything you can to get a person's house sold and you know what their goals and their reason why they called you in the first place. And if you can't fulfill those, those are really frustrating mm-hmm. because you're doing your best, mm-hmm. whether they realize it or not. And uh, it's frustrating to not be able to get people a result for the original reason why they called you, which is to sell their home. Mm-hmm. On the home buying side, sometimes in a more balanced market or maybe a seller's market, you know exactly what the buyer wants, what's going to help them the best, what's going to suit them the best. But sometimes it's not available at that time. You know, sometimes buyers that I represent don't really realize that. And you just want the best for them. You want the best fit for them based off your knowledge and experience. And sometimes it's just not out there either during that time or ever because their expectations might be unrealistic. Right. So there's frustrations for sure, but you got to take the, the good with everything. You got to learn from it and you got to move forward. Was there one piece of advice you got from your dad or your uncle that has really served you well over the years? You know, you sort of maybe alluded to trying to find the positives, but is, is there anything else? Just go to work, show up, and work harder than everybody else mm-hmm. and always remain optimistic stay positive put a smile on your face and be excited about what you're doing mm-hmm. 
we're in the people business. That's a big aspect of our business. And if you're not excited, if you're feeling down that day, cancel the appointment, reschedule it. Because if you're not excited to go list that person's home or find them a home, mm-hmm. how are they supposed to be excited about working with you? And that's, unfortunately, sometimes it's happened to me where I was maybe having an off day, you know, whether I was up late the night before or, you know, was tired or maybe under the weather and I wasn't excited to be hired on by a seller or a buyer client. And I missed that opportunity to work with them. That's one of the biggest pieces of advice I got from them. Work hard, show up, outwork people, and just be, just do good things. Be honest, be upfront, admit when you're wrong, admit when you don't know something and uh, be a sponge, put a smile on your face, be excited. One of the challenges I've heard from realtors when I talk to them about, you know, how they go about winning a listing presentation when there's competition from other realtors will be you know clients will often go with whichever realtor will say oh i can sell it for more than everyone else right Mm -hmm. how do you overcome that challenge where you know if you're telling the client an unrealistic number Mm -hmm. you know you might win the listing but that you're going to end up with an unhappy client at the end because it was an unrealistic number to start with with my experience i have simply learned to discuss that up front And the reason I say that is because I'm just upfront with people. This business, myself, as, you know, being self-employed with Remax Real Estate, I'm not guaranteed an income. Okay, it's one of of those businesses in the world where I can go to work and not make a dime for the next six months. So I'm having a very upfront conversation with prospective seller clients and saying, hey, this is what my research has revealed. This is what the market is saying your house is worth. Here's how I'm going to market it. What are your thoughts? And I tell them up front, if they come back to me with a, another number that is potentially significantly higher than what the market is suggesting or I am suggesting, I ask them why, what's their reasoning behind uh, their suggestion. And I simply have that conversation with them. I said, why would I list your home that that price point when there's no ammo, when there's nothing to go off of, I'm going to work hard with my own dollars to market your home and sell your home. At the end of 60 days or 90 days, it's not going to be sold. You're going to be frustrated with me. I'm going to be frustrated with you. I've lost out on all this investment that I put into your home and you're going to hire the next realtor at a lower price and it's going to sell. I said, what's the point of that? What's your goals? What's your dreams? Why did you call me in the first place? So we have a very real conversation up front. And another question too, as I asked them is, is that, okay, let's listen at that price. Once we get an offer, if we get an offer, how would you like me to negotiate that for you? <clears throat> what backing do I have to say, hey, prospective buyer, this is why we're asking what we are, right? right? And especially in this market when you might have 10 other competitors directly in your neighborhood, uh, you got to stand out and that starts with the pricing strategy and then your marketing. Right, okay. Well, let's say I'm a buyer and I, uh, you know, I've got wife and kids, etc. And I come to you and I say, okay, Travis, we're looking to buy something and it's either West End of Edmonton or Spruce Grove. How would you advise me as to which way to go in terms of those two communities mm-hmm. or areas? I think it depends where you're from, uh, how you're raised, and what kind of atmosphere, what kind of lifestyle do you want to live? I find, you know, living in a city where there is how many times more people living here than out in Spruce Grove. It's just a different vibe. It's a different community. If they want more of that smaller town vibe with 
all the amenities there, then Spruce Grove is your is your way to go. Mm-hmm. If you would like to be in a community that is maybe a bigger base, uh, maybe a little bit more amenities, uh, maybe a little bit less commuting, then you're probably looking at West End. Mm-hmm. Also depends on your on your price point, right. on your budget, and what's going to be more important. Because sometimes people don't mind that 15 minute drive to the West End, you know, from Spruce Grove, or people want to be five minutes away, right. or they want to be three minutes off of the Anthony Henday. It all depends what their goals and dreams are and, and what kind of community they want to raise their family in or, or work in. Right. Okay. So let's say you can get a, an older single family home in uh, Spruce Grove for three hundred fifty to 400000 Yeah. What would a comparable price be in the West End? Yeah. You're probably looking closer to four. Just in the last couple of weeks here, I've had several examples with clients where they're saving probably about thirty to 40000 for very comparable units, West End to Spruce Grove. Okay, so cheaper in Spruce Grove. I think your dollar goes farther in Spruce Grove, dependent on what property, but more, more times than not. Right, okay. Travis, if you were to look at, say, your last 10 deals, either on the buying or the selling side, has there been a trend that has developed that you can say, hey, this is what's going on in the market right now? I think the trend there is people's expectations of what their end purchase price or sale price is to be and how we get there. I think a lot of people, they're influenced by media and maybe what they're seeing on TV. In the end, that's all fantastic. That's all great. But you have to look at what's happening in your local community or in your local area that you're looking to buy and what's applicable. Listen to the professional, the realtor that works that area and actually see what an expected sale price is going to be. What are comparables out there? So I think the biggest thing is people need to remain logical and not become emotional during negotiations. And they need to have an expectation talk with their their realtor of what's actually realistic out there. Right. I mean, we look at the, you know, you watch TV or read the paper and it's always talk about, oh, you know, high risk housing bubble in Canada. Well, that's driven by what's going on in Vancouver and Toronto. It has absolutely nothing to do with Edmonton or Spruce Grove or a sub-neighborhood of either of those communities. And so are you saying that people sort of have that underlying sense of fear when they're making an offer on a place because they're they're being influenced by those media stories? Potentially, yes. I always ask people, where did you hear that from? Or what source? Or is it a credible source? Or what's their experience in the real estate market? And more times than not... It's probably a source that's unreliable or not experienced. Uh, so again, you got to have that talk with people. And, and especially when you find the home that you want, I'm going to help you get it. But let's stay logical about it, not become emotional. And in the end, the buyer wants to buy, the seller wants to sell. The realtors help that happen, mm-hmm. right? It's not a butt heads game. It's a simple negotiation. What's the terms of our contract? What's the purchase price? What are the condition days? Those are all things that people need to, to stay focused on. Buyer wants to buy, seller wants to sell. Everyone wants to be happy. Let's move on. <laughs> right. So, so here's a question for you, because this is a little bit of a pet peeve of mine when I see it come across uh, my desk. You know, the buyers and sellers have come to a price, and then the home inspection happens. And inevitably, that is now being used to try to change the price. What's your take on that? It all starts out with, the, the buyer's expectations being set when you're viewing the home and then writing the offer. And when I sit down with buyer clients, I always have that conversation. The home is built in 1990. It's going to have issues in the inspection. Even brand new homes have issues. This is probably why it's priced where it is. 
That's after we determine if it's priced fairly or not. The inspection is not a reason to renegotiate. The inspection is a reason to double check things, make you sleep better at night and advise you on maintenance issues. And I always tell people that are looking to buy a home is that if even if we find nothing through a general home inspection, it's a great way to learn about your home. Have a peek in the attic, see where there's any potential grading issues that need to be fixed. An inspection is not a reason to renegotiate. However, if we discover something during an inspection that we didn't know about or couldn't see, or maybe was a little bit hidden, you know, or the seller didn't even know about, then yes, that's a reason to renegotiate whether it is you know, the, buyer, uh, the buyer's responsibility to fix it with a cash back or the seller's responsibility to fix it before possession day with proof. Uh, there's many options you know, after something, after renegotiations happen. But yes, it, or, uh, an inspection is not a, not a reason to, to open up negotiations again. And that's what many people think. Yeah. It's a double check. That's all it is. Yeah. If it's substantial enough, then it's a condition. Walk away from the contract. But if it's workable, let's work with it. If it's minor, or maybe some just general maintenance things, then buy that home. It's yeah. a used home. There's going to be things wrong with it. Yeah, I, you know, just as a uh, to make the point, I have seen deals or the financing uh, on a purchase almost fall apart because of a thousand dollar price reduction, mm-hmm. right? Because that gets the lender asking, "Oh, what's going on with the inspection? Let's see a copy of that home inspection." Yeah, and you know, I've had to switch lenders because the first lender didn't like. The inspection, so wow. you're you're, yeah. you're potentially opening up a can of worms to save fifty dollars on your down payment if it's a thousand dollar price reduction, right? So, yeah. in my opinion, it's not worth the risk. Yeah, many of these items that general home inspectors bring up are maintenance issues. Yeah. You're going to have to do that on a yearly basis, and that's why it's important when you're initially looking at the home before you make the offer, have a good look through it, and that's why you make the offer that you do. That's why you settle on the price that you do with the seller. That's what I always advise my buyer clients. And when we're walking through the home, we're looking at those things. You know, does that furnace look original? Yes. Okay. You might have three years left on it, five years left on it. How do the shingles look? Well, the shingles might need doing in three to five years. We've got to budget and offer accordingly, etc. Mm-hmm. So it's important to go through a good look through the property, maybe go back for a second look and maybe make a little checklist. And that's how you, that's how you craft your initial offer and your initial starting price. Right. Which all sounds great until people make decisions based on emotion. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I've, you know, I've seen, uh, you know, situations where people needed a garage, mm-hmm. but they bought a home that did not have a garage because it had a soaker tub. Yes. How do you, you know, <laughs> find the checks and balances in there as a realtor? That's a tough thing, you know, because oftentimes people will have their wants and needs list starting out and then you see that evolve as we're looking at several properties. And then when it comes time to the one or they think is the one, then I ask them, okay, well, you know, and at our initial meeting, this is what you told me that you wanted. Yeah. You know, what are you aware of? What are you, what are you favoring now kind of thing, right? So, and unfortunately that comes up in negotiations. Well, it needs a garage. Well, that's why it's priced where it is because it doesn't have a garage. <laughs> right. So that's not a reason to, you know, lowball a seller after market valuation when purchasing a home. That's an important step too. Okay. So Travis, let's say you had a relative buying in Toronto or Halifax, some other market where, you know, it's not realistic for you to come in and help them out. Mm-hmm. How would you suggest they go about picking the right realtor? Mm-hmm. The number one way is referrals. Happy, satisfied clients that have worked with a realtor that they like. 
Same thing as a restaurant. Where's a good place to eat in Edmonton? Mm-hmm. Probably a referral. I'll, I'll probably trust a friend or another professional for a referral. So reach out for a referral. If you can't reach out for a referral, look in your marketplace. Who do you see? Who's active in the marketplace or in the area that you are? Who's doing powerful branding and marketing? Okay. And it's a competitive world out there. There's lots of options when you go to hire a realtor. Ask them what's going to make them different. Okay. There's lots of options. Are they full time? How are they set up? Do they have a team? Do they have proper delegations for certain tasks to help you sell your home? That's very important nowadays because there's many avenues and directions that you can go. It's almost getting impossible for one person to manage the entire business and serve you correctly. And we're, we can't be a, a, a jack of all trades, a master of none, right? So you got to recognize what the realtor is strong at, what they're weak at, and see if they're set up to have people in place to help them with their weaknesses to better serve you. So see how they're set up. And also obviously discuss about their marketing, depending what kind of market you're in, whether it's a buyer's balanced or a seller's market, ask them what kind of marketing they're going to do. And as I kind of mentioned earlier, online marketing is, is powerful and huge if utilized correctly. So ask them, dive in and deeper. What is your online social media campaigns look like? What is your goals behind that? How do you track it? What's our game plan after 30 days, 60 days, 90 days? Those are all great questions to ask a realtor you're looking to looking to hire. You gotta see what their experience is. You gotta see where their target market is. Are they able to dominate a certain area? If they have a proven track record in a certain area, chances are they probably have a sphere of influence or a customer base that they'll be able to reach out to to get your home sold faster for more money and overall better experience in the marketplace. Knowledge, experience, a proven track record, and outstanding marketing you gotta all look at when you're when you're looking to hire a realtor for sure. Okay. Are there any uh, last thoughts or comments that you wanted to add before we wrap things up? It's a challenging market out there. You gotta stay positive, and um, real estate's a great investment if utilized correctly. Reach out to professional. Reach out to your advisor, which is your realtor. Find one you like that you get along with, and that they're very professionally knowledgeable because we're here not only to help you either buy or sell a home, but the right professional will be here for a long time, always providing value to you and being here to refer you to other professionals or other trades that can help you in your home or buying or selling process. We're not just transactional. We want to be here with you. We want to earn your business. We want to uh, work with you in the future. We want to help your future kids purchase uh, and sell homes. And uh, once you once you find a professional that you really enjoy working with, hang on to them, right? Many people become friends. It's just natural that it happens that way. So yeah, it's a fantastic business. I'm very grateful for everything and I'm looking forward to the the many years to come, so. Do you think we're uh, seeing any sort of a uh, turnaround in, in the economy and perhaps the market will improve? You know what, I think, I think slowly there is a little bit more confidence coming back. Edmonton area has done a lot better than many other you know, centers in Alberta. So mm-hmm. we're very grateful for that. You know, we have other industries in Edmonton. Yeah. Of course, we're very, you know, energy-based and oil-based, but I think there's a lot of other, you know, industries that are doing well and keeping the lights on per se, right? right? Yeah. So we're very fortunate that way. I think there's going to start being more confidence, yes. And uh, in the real estate market, that's going to lag a little bit because of the amount of inventory that's out there right now. Edmonton area and, and where I focus on in Spruce Grove and Parkland County, uh, there's a lot of inventory out there and it's all supply and demand. So until until the, the amount of listings decreases and the amount of buyers increase, then I think you know we'll, we'll be in this kind of market for a little while. 
you know, maybe a year, two, three. I don't think we're going to see the boom bust. I think that's might be to the wayside for Alberta. You know, when we had the boom in 06, 07, that was an artificial market. Mm-hmm. It was unrealistic. Mm-hmm. It wasn't going to go up forever. And if you thought so, then, well, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I'll say that comment. But that was an artificial market, right? So I don't think that's going to happen again. I think we're going to be a lot more calm, steady growth, which is a good thing, in my opinion. It's a lot uh, safer for economy. So I'm optimistic. I think we'll be okay. Uh, it'll just take some time in the real estate sector sector for the next couple of years. Yeah, I tend so. to agree with you absolutely on that. You know, uh, two, three percent growth over a span of five or ten years. Yeah, that's great. I think what's happening with our lending requirements changing and whatnot, um, obviously, you would know this a lot better than than myself. I think all these changes, I think they're a good thing. Okay, it's going to, we're learning a lot from what happened to the south of us. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when their crash happened, when they were lending money to people who could fog a mirror. I think the steps that our government's been taking for our lending requirements, I think they're okay. We want to make sure that people who buy homes can stay in homes if the market changes. That's simple put. Mm-hmm. You know, the stress tests that are being implemented, they're not a bad thing. I don't think so. I think we're going to be okay. I think our uh, the people that are owning homes are, are qualified financially to do so and can hang on to them if the market were to downturn or interest rates go up. Yeah, no, I would say based on the, the uh, clients who I help, the borrower's quality is through the roof these days. This round of mortgage rule changes with the stress test where you're putting less or sorry, more than 20% down. Uh, I don't think that's going to affect the Alberta market. That is definitely aimed at Toronto and Vancouver. If you live in Edmonton and you're or Spruce Grove and you're putting 20% down, you're probably making good money. You probably have your debts under control. You're going to be able to get approved. The big stress test changed last year for people who put less than 20% down. That had a far greater impact on, uh, you know, younger families who are are the big market here. I I completely agree. And the biggest thing is just don't over leverage yourself. Exactly. And uh, Albertans do love their debts. You know, we're we're a province that likes to thrive and and have things, right? And we work hard for our earnings, etc. Once you get those earnings, we just got to be careful what we do with it. Absolutely. Don't never le- don't over leverage yourself. And if you are looking to get into the real estate market, whether it's investment property or your first home, just be careful. Make a game plan. If you're um, if you're not in position today, make a game plan to be in a position in a year or two for now, and uh, you'll be you'll be well off that way. Okay. Well, Travis, thank you very much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you.